Welcome to Talking Heels, where we have raw conversations about our daily stressors and the effectiveness on our spiritual, physical, and mental health. I'm a holistic hybrid, and we are joined by Mike Jean-Louis. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Um, you believe that talking heals? Most, most definitely. I mean, you can either keep it to yourself and try to figure out your own answers, which is the hard way, or you can listen to, or you can listen to others and try to figure out what works for you. Besides what you've been doing, get it, getting different perspectives and finding a way to a different way to heal. You know, what I mean, we're not an island to ourselves, so you can learn from others and the mistakes that they made and so that you don't go down the same paths with the same mistakes. That is true. Have it helped you in the past? Oh, in so many ways and so many different times. Um, it especially helped me deal with anger. Um, listening to both men and women deal with their anger issues and it helped me learn how to channel mine in productive manners or because the anger causes me stress and you know, everybody knows stress is a killer. So, and especially, yeah, especially for me, um, my body, I can handle a lot of stress, but once it gets to that point, like mentally you can deal with it, but when it starts manifesting physically, it's a different thing. Like for me, it gives me symptoms of having a heart attack and a stroke simultaneously. And so I had to learn how to channel it in a productive manner. So I wouldn't be hospitalized, you know, during that time frame. So yeah, it's definitely helped me. So give us like, <clears throat> walk us back to like a time where, you know, it gave you like a, a wake up call. Uh, well, I was I was married for ten years, and when we were breaking up and the process in us breaking up, um, it, it it was total stress because I we had three kids, and I love my kids dearly, um, two girls and a boy, and you know just the thought of you know, you, when you get married, you, you like to think it's forever. You like to think that nothing is going to end what you, this decision that you've made to spend with this individual forever. And then you tend turn around and you have three beautiful children with this individual. And you hear all the stories, especially as a man. You know, you hear all this, you hear all the different stories about what's going to happen and the kids aren't going to love you and you're going to be a deadbeat dad and the mother is going to um, keep the kids away from you. You won't be able to see your children, and even though your relationship with that individual um, is tumultuous at that time, difficult at that time, stressful at the time. But it wasn't so much for me. It wasn't so much um my relationship with her that bothered me it's it was what would happen to me and my kids because like 
yo, like the school knew me. My, if you saw my kids, you saw me. And, you know, we had, I have that bond with my kids. And so the thought of that was, I, I just couldn't think of myself without my kids at that point. Yeah. So what happened, you know, we had gotten to an argument one morning and um, I went to work. Um, I, I used to work at a prison, which is another stressor. But <laughs> that day they put me in a, a tower, you know, I'm by myself and I'm, I'm, I'm in that tower and it, you, you have nobody to talk to. You're supposed to be looking out making sure, you know, when the inmates are out, nobody heads for the fence and all this other stuff. But while the inmates are in, all you have is yourself, your mind, your thoughts. And it started getting overwhelming. And I started going through that. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I used to be, di I used to be so hard with on people that have panic attacks because I used to tell them, Oh, I mean, come on, all you got to do is just calm down. <laughs> and so, but getting lost in your own thoughts will cause the physical manifestation. Um, and so I just fell out. I couldn't breathe. You know, one of the things that happens is when I get overly stressed, um, the inside of my chest cavity, it gets inflamed and it swells. And so breathing causes me an excessive amount of pain to the point where it knocks me out. It, I cold pass out. I was barely able to dial the number for my control room for them to send somebody up here before I passed out. And so it, they couldn't get in touch with me after that. After I dialed the number, all of a sudden, they, I wouldn't respond on the radio. And they had to call the ambulance and they had to carry me from the tower out to the ambulance. And the space is literally less than three feet for them to walk down a spiral staircase. And I had to be carried on my captain's shoulder. Oh, wow. And so, because the ambulance couldn't get in. You know, they couldn't get a gurney up there or anything like that. There's no elevator or anything like that. So um, they ran all the blood tests that they could possibly run and had me hooked up to an EKG monitor. And they were like, there's nothing physically or medically wrong with your heart. It's only your head. Body is your stressors are causing you to go through this. And after that case, and after that situation, um, that's when I made the decision that, yo, I can't let this happen to me again. I can't allow this to kill me. Because what if I was driving? Yeah. You know, what if I was somewhere that, you know, and especially working in the prison, what if I was around a bunch of inmates at that time? Oh, my. You know? So there's so many different things that could have gone wrong. And so I, I made a decision that, yo, I got to talk about it. Um, and growing up as a black man, they tell you, 
you know, you got to deal with this. You got, you just got to deal with your problems. You just got to deal with, you know, how it is, make up your mind to deal with it. Or if you can't, you know, pick up a bottle, drink some Hennessy and it'll all go away. And there's so many things they, they don't encourage you talking because it's a sign of weakness. You know, as a man, you got to be strong. You got to be able to carry the world on your shoulders, plus your girlfriend's or your wife's handbag. <laughs> so it's, it's just so much that we're not taught as a people. And we look on other, we look on other races and think is a weakness, but we don't realize that talking builds your strength. First of all, it takes a lot for you to talk about it. It sure does. It sure does. Like it, my, it, ex, yeah. my ex is one of those men, you know, who are taught, um, he's, you know, he's an island man and he was taught you never show your feelings. It, it's a sign of weakness. And as much as I beg, you know, let's talk it out. Like he just refused. And, you know, just like you said just now, he turned to the bottle just to numb his pain. And he was just always mute. But, he failed to see that I needed to talk about the situation. And by talking about it, it will make, I wouldn't say it would make things better, but it would have helped. I probably would have understood what went through his mind, but, and, you know, um, his actions at that time. But there's a lot of men out there walking around just tensed up because they refuse to to just show themselves in that light because they think it's some, it's that, that they'll be weak. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, and trust me, I'm an island man. You know, I'm from Haiti, and, you know, the machismo runs deep, <laughs> okay? It, 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 it does. Like, you, you know, you, you gotta, you can't show the emotion. You can't show the love. You're allowed to show love on your wedding date. That's about it. That's about it. That's all you're allowed. <laughs> you know, after that, you know, it's, you, you just got to be the man. You just, it, it, it's amazing. Like, being the man used to mean so much to me. But when I, you know, I believe that there's such a thing as definition and meaning. You know, the definition of being a man is one thing. The meaning of being a man is another. Um, and we tend to take the meaning of it more so than the definition of it. Yeah. And... You know, being from the islands, you know, and I was I was little I was raised in Brooklyn, but I was born in Haiti. And my parents, you know, my dad was always working. I I always saw him working, um, and there was never that emotion. You know, it wasn't that you, you didn't have that hug. You know, if you when you came home from school, you did. It was he was always has work. Did you do your homework? Did you do this? Did you do that? And and don't get me wrong, I don't have daddy issues or anything like that. Um, but still, there were things that I did that you wished you had that affection there, you know, um, or that, you know, it's, you, you did a good job or, you, you know, you got an A, why didn't you get an A plus? And I understand it's drive, you know. I, I, I understand where they were coming from, that they wanted to drive me to do the best that I possibly can. But at the same time, there wasn't 
and in the Haitian culture, there always isn't that congratulatory um, affection that you, hey, great job. You know, I, I was into sports. They were never at a game. And when I say they, that was mom and dad. They were never at a game. They never actually seen me play a sport. But I was into it. So when we won, I won. Yeah. And me and my friends won. And where they would go off and hug their, you know, mom and dad and get that congratulations. I, it was time for me to head into the showers. Yeah. And so all of that leads to being the man, which is you take your wins and your losses the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So there's no display of emotion. Like when your wins and your losses are the same way, there's nothing separating the two and your body and your mind forgets what the truth is that yeah. there is a difference you know and i it's it's funny because i learned that no matter how much you know because i knew my parents were working i knew they were doing everything that they could possibly do just to make sure that i we, we had food on the table the next day um i had clothes and i had shoes on my feet you know that you know and, and at an early age i understood that um but even still, no matter how much you know the truth, your mind can lead you somewhere that it that it's never intended to go. Now, funny thing is, I learned that working um, for the for the prison, I I was a hostage negotiator as well, and. So they they take us up, they, they took us out of Miami and they sent us up north for the training. It was a week, it was a two-week training. The very first day of training, just so that they we could understand what it's like to be on the other side, a couple of people came in, took us hostage in the classroom. Okay. Now we know it's not, we know it's not real. We know that this is, you know, they just want us to see what it's like. So they tell everybody to get on the ground, get on the ground. So now here you are in an uncomfortable position, your face is on the ground. Okay. One hour into it, nobody's saying nothing. But we still know it's not real. Mm -hmm. Two hours into it, now your body and your mind starts playing tricks on you. Yeah. Three hours into it, now you're wondering, yo, when is this going to end? Four hours into it, now they start playing their mind games when you're your most vulnerable. They grab a female officer, take her to a back room somewhere. They tell her to yell and to shriek. And you hear the yelling and the shrieking. And you never see that officer again. And the people that took us hostage came back, man, she was good. Like they raped her. People started, women started crying. You know, it's not real. Yeah. 
but your but your emotions and what is going on. You've been in this uncomfortable position. You've been in a state so long that you forget the truth. And that's just like what our emotions are like. And that's the that's the reason why we have to talk because the truth may be there and you may be very well aware of the truth, but your mind and how you think and how you see things will take you somewhere. At, at a, after like six hours in, some guy tries to be a hero. Like, dude, you're, this is fake. <laughs> and here you are trying to be a hero. And so they take him away. They grab him, hold him down, take him away, and you never hear from him. And they and just for the impact of it, they fire around as if they shot him. Man, that would mess with anybody's head. Anybody's. No matter how much you know the truth, your mind gets to be and gets to take you to a place that you forget the truth. And talking allows you to understand that one, you're not the only person going through it. Two, your situation is not unique. And what I mean by that is, not that everybody in the world is going through what you're going through, but that pain and that hurt and that loneliness you're not the only one going through it and there's an outlet. And sometimes you don't have access to that outlet if you just hold it onto yourself. Sometimes you gotta let a, bit, a little bit of that pain out to see, it's like fishing. You let a little bit of that pain out so you cast your line mm -hmm. and, and you get a bite. And that bite allows you to let a little more of that pain out and a little bit more and a little bit more until eventually, not that the pain is gone, but that weight but it is lifted. Yep, that weight is lifted. Yep. I understand that part. Like it's easier, you know, so it's your body knows what it needs at times. And it comes, it comes out at the rarest times when, you know, depending on what you're going through. Like what you just explained to me, what happened in the prisons. Um, something happened to me like that um, when I was deployed. And we used to go out and do missions. And I was the only female on the team. And, you know, a lot of things used to go through my mind because here I am, the only female on um, on a on an eight-man team. And these men haven't had, you know, haven't had any in a while and they're out here stressed out and you hear them making the side jokes and you know you're being the female there you you know you're clapping back but in your head certain you know certain things are going through your head and you don't know when you know people are gonna flip out or do something wrong but um there was a buddy of mine uh, on one mission that we were going out on and you know we was just he, the, the, the look on his face, it scared me because, you know, here I am, we're, you know, we're going out there and you're supposed to be looking, having my back. And, you know, here you have like a stone cold look 
and it was puzzling for a while. And eventually, I was like, you know, man, you good? And he was like, nah. And then he just started talking, you know. He was going through so much back at home. Like, his wife was cheating on him with somebody that he knew and ended up being pregnant. And you, you know what I'm saying? And he just needed me to ask him, was he okay? And then after, you know, he explained what was going on, he was like, you know what, Sergeant Peter's like, I needed that. I needed to talk that out because I don't, I, a lot of things was going through my mind at that point that I didn't know what was, you know, what was going to happen on this mission right now. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you were able to, to let it all out, but your body, your body do need, um, pick up when it's necessary to let that stuff go. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's funny. Um, I know like as a man, like I, I, I play this mental game, or used to, and sometimes I still do, where you say to yourself, well, I ain't going to say nothing, and I'm just going to do it. But if somebody opens up that door and says, like you said, are you okay? Then you feel, it's like you give yourself, uh, it's giving you a reason to be able to let it go. So... And a lot of times nowadays, I mean, we live in a society that it's, for lack of a better term, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. You know, you know, you see somebody going through and you clearly see it. Like, they're not the same person who they always were or they look troubled and you see it. But because you got your own stressors and your own issues, you like, hey, I'm not going to say nothing because I don't need to here's somebody else going through something, but you know what? If you allow it, you guys can help each other out. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we, we lost that community. Um, the neighborhood, the family, we lost that, you know, so we gotta help each other out. If, If not for anything else, for our own sanity. Now, do you, um, from what you went through as a little kid, you know, not having that emotional support per se, um, how are you with your your sons? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> so I overly love my kids, not just my sons, um, but my daughters. I, I have two I have two daughters and two sons. I got a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and somewhere along the line, I lost my mind, started all over again, and I have a six-year-old. And I've never had an issue with any of my kids showing that affection. Um, my sons and my daughters, when... I see them and I'm around them, you know, they, if before I leave, they get that hug, they get that kiss. Um, I said, I started from the very beginning. I, I never missed a birth of my kids. You know, I, I'll even go as far as like my youngest, my six year old, when he was born, um, his mom and I were no longer together. And if, you ever met somebody that did not like somebody and could not stand to be around somebody. It was her and I at that time, but 
I was still there at the birth of my child. I was still there holding her hand while she went through what she went through. And I was still the first person to, uh, for all my kids to feed them, to change them. You know, I built, I, I was from the very beginning, I'm there with that bond and showing that love. Hug, I hug my sons, tell my, if I talk to them on the phone, I tell them I love them before I hang up and they, they respond back with, I love you too, dad. Whether they're around their friends, you know, whether it's just me and them, I, I let them know it's okay to express that. It's okay to express that love and that concern. Because if you don't, you know, you, you're, you're raising them to be hard. Yeah. You know, you're raising them to be tough emotionally, to have a stony heart. You, you don't want to do that. You, you want them to be able to experience care, love, understanding, because it makes them better people. So, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely express that love to them. My sons um, and my girls, like, definitely, they know daddy loves them. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell them. An example of how, you know, how a man should be able to communicate on that emotional level as well. Oh, oh yeah. You know, it, it, you, it could, it could work two ways. Um, you know, um, where if you don't get that emotional attention and they can feel like, hey, um, I don't want to be that way, so I'm going to do the complete opposite. And yeah, and you have that like with me. And so I pour love into my children. It could also work in a way that, yeah, I didn't get that and I don't. You know, I, I I don't want to raise my kids that way, but because I don't have any other example, um, this is how I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard a story once about twins, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure it's not a real story. It was just to you know prove a point, where one was an attorney and one was a criminal, and somebody interviewed both of them, and they asked them, well, what led you to become an attorney? And his answer was, well, I saw how hard it was for my dad and he was abusive and, you know, he used to beat my mom. And I knew that I, this is not how it was supposed to be. So I did everything I had to do to not be that way. Then they asked the inmate, what led you to a life of crime? His response was the exact same thing. No, none of the words changed, but it had two different effects on their lives. Mm. Same household, same parent, same exact thing, same exact emotion, but two different aspects two different results. And the only thing that's different is how they process. Wow. And so it, you can be, it, just to show you, you can be in the same household with somebody 
and going through the exact same thing, but have two different aspects of what to do with it in your life, how to have it manifest, how to make it go in your life. So it's, it's, it's not a toss up. It's, it's where you are mentally, your mental strength, you know, where is it and how do you make it strong enough so that you can get past these things that can either destroy you or make you we can't always do it by ourselves you do have to find that outlet and i'll be honest like you know you and what you're doing allowing people to talk and let it out to me is amazing thank you yeah it it is um for people to allow themselves to be vulnerable and to show their strength to be able to discuss it with you and i know you as hosting it you also allow yourself to be vulnerable yes yeah it has and, yeah and and that that is the the stage that you have is a great way to help people realize it's being vulnerable isn't a weakness allowing yourself to open up isn't a weakness it's a strength because it takes so much to just open that door. It's the heaviest door in the world to let somebody into your life. It takes so much strength. It doesn't make you weak. The fact that you can open that door lets you know you can get past it. You just gotta hear the right recipe to do it. And if you close that, keep that door closed, you will never get the right recipe. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. This was a pleasure, Mike. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for sharing with us. It was my joy. Thank you for allowing me to be strong. All right. You take care. You do the same. Thank you for joining us at Talking Heels. I'm your host, Holistic Hybrid. You can catch us here every weekend at 9 a.m. on anchor.fm. I want to thank my guest, Mike Jean-Louis, and to you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that favorites button so when new episodes drop, you'll be alert. Wishing you guys an amazing day. Peace.